Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the All Ball Podcast. It's been a while, but a year later, and we're back here. Uh, Those of you who didn't know recently, I got a job writing at an online sports media outlet, and I'm here with my coworker, Drew, to talk about the uh, 2020 NFL draft that's happening tomorrow night. So uh, Drew is uh, an editor at the site, and uh, he's the co-host of Watch the Tape podcast. Yes, sir. And uh, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm Drew. I've been working at the Sportsway for almost a year now, and um, my my co my co work, my co-host uh, Xavier Aguiar is also an owner at the site that George and I work on. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about our big boards. So we're going to go through our top ten players and the draft tomorrow night. Uh, we can also give predictions as to where they may go, but again. Not my favorite thing to do, because as soon as they don't go there, you want to tear your hair out. Anyway, so let's get right into it. I'll let you go first, considering you're my guest. Who's Um, your number one guy? My number one guy is the number one guy who almost everyone has at number one. I'm going to go with Chase Young, defensive end end out of Ohio State. This is unquestionably the best player in the draft class. I've been covering the draft since about since the 2017 class, where Miles Garrett was the number one pick. And you could argue Chase Young is just as good. Mm-hmm. Like his combination of athleticism, he he can he really knows how to use his hands. He's very powerful. He's got great bend. Everything you you want in a top tier pass rusher, Chase Young has. And I've heard rumors that the Redskins want to trade out of the second overall pick, which I highly don't recommend because you're passing up on a Canton bound edge rusher. And with that being said, I mean I don't think there is much to be said outside of that. Young's the best player in this class just because of how dominant he is on the field. Uh-huh. Now, you said that you don't think the Redskins should uh, should trade back. What if they were to trade back to a team that, say, maybe they knew weren't wasn't going to take Chase Young? Would you recommend that? And they can garner as many draft picks as possible. That would be an idea. But the issue is with the draft system being entirely different this year because of unforeseen circumstances, you really don't know who's taking who. Right. Like outside of the number one pick, nothing is consensus. Uh-huh. So with that being said, I'm assuming your number one is also Chase Young. Yeah, my number one is also Chase Young. And uh by my what I said when I first um when I was writing my big board, I said that a lot of people tend to conflate and when I was writing the scouting report for him, a lot of people tend to conflate uh how good an edge defender is with their stats when in reality you shouldn't just look at the sacks to say this guy is this good you need to look at so many other things you know hits pressures how they get to the quarterback and how they finish are two completely different things however that being said I don't think Chase Young falls into that category I think Chase Young is a completely different animal I said that he he transcends the box score as well as the advanced analytics and I mean you put together his height, length, with everything. He's the perfect balance that you need. 6'5", 265. You can't go wrong there. Uh, uh, I have my player comparison uh, to uh, Alden Smith. I think that they... Ooh, um, that I, I, I like that. Game. That's something I did yeah. not... That, that's something I didn't think about before, but I really like that. They're equally just as unblockable, at least in Alden's prime. Exactly. When I was looking at like other people's comparisons, I, I saw a bunch of, you know, 
like mainstream players. And then I came, I can't remember where it was, but I came across Alden Smith and I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, Alden Smith was just as freaky of an athlete coming out of Mizzou in 2011. And you could argue, if not for off the field issues, he would have been a Hall of Fame pass rusher, like yeah. hands down. And I want to go back to your point about statistics not telling the whole story. And the thing with Chase Young is down the stretch against uh, against Wisconsin and Clemson, those teams doubled and triple teamed him. Right. They didn't. They made sure he wouldn't tee off on their quarterbacks, and they ran pretty much every play away from him. And he still and he still was a dominant force at the at that pocket. Like if he's being tri- double or triple teamed as a rookie. Think about the effect that's going to have on the other defensive talent surrounding him on whatever team that's going to be. Like, for example, if we talk about the Redskins here, they have guys like Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne. They're pretty much building the Alabama defense there. Right. In my scouting report, report, I mentioned that they've they've been stacking that defensive line for years. Right. And if you put him opposite Montez Sweat, I mean, like, that's just a recipe for success. So in terms of in terms of positives and negatives, uh, I would say that his his number one positive. I mean, if you want to be really general, there's just nothing he can't do. He wins. He wins in every situation. He's the ideal pass rusher that you can ask for. But I think that two things that stood out for me that maybe a lot of people wouldn't be able to pick up on. I think that he does an excellent job of um, of keeping his balance. You know. If he doesn't right. win cleanly, he can win nonetheless, you know? Right. And he, also, he's he's going to win either way, like no yeah, matter what you under, do. He understands that one hand, you know, it's longer than two hands. A lot right. of football instincts says push with two hands because you're stronger that way. He has a very good uh, understanding of his own body and how that can work to optimize his, um, his uh, tape. Right, the one arm mainly works because it's 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 much long. That one arm principle is much longer, and it can keep tackles away from your chest. And if you can keep a tackle away from your chest while swiping his hands down, you're going to win that rep every single time. Right. So in terms of negatives, I didn't, I couldn't really, <laughs> I couldn't find that many. You'd really have to nitpick. Uh, yeah, one that one that I uh, could see, uh, his hands. You know, sometimes he winds his hands a little. Uh, Against the run, against the run, and he uh, exposes his chest a little bit too much. However, that is something that is easily um, easily fixable. And then another thing is also, this isn't really a negative on his part, but rather just a product of the circumstances. He was in a very favorable scheme towards what he does. Now, he may not get that same that same favorability on the pro level, but at the same time. I think that he can play through that either way. And if he, if it affects him so badly, you need to change because he has shown that he is a transcendent player when everything, when everything's working for him, if it doesn't tear apart your team, you got to do it. Right. And the thing with young is if we, let's say he's going to Washington and he's, he's probably going to be lined up as a three, four outside linebacker. Cause I don't think they'd be playing him at, at five technique end. He'd be dropping back in coverage more than you'd think. And the, the freaky part about young's game is I really think he can do it. Like if, yeah. if you ask him to cover running backs out of the flat, he can probably stay with them just as well as a Mike. could. He's that athletic. Mm-hmm. 
And if we assume that he's going to Washington, let's say, what you said about Ohio State still kind of applies. He has a great supporting cast around him with Reuben Foster, Cole Holcomb, Landon Collins, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, like we mentioned earlier. The issue there is coverage, but they can fix that all on day two or day three. It's just all about making life for him as easy as possible so he can wreck the games. Right. So I think that that about wraps it up for him. So uh, would you like to go on to number two? My number two here is actually going to be Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I, okay, listen. <laughs> I, I love Isaiah Simmons. He's my favorite player in the entire draft. I just want to say that before I explain how he's not my number two. My number two is Joe Burrow. Okay, I can see that, but, as, I can see that as well. Right, let's go over Isaiah Simmons first then. Okay, the first thing that you want to know about Simmons is he's a great athlete, just as great as Young, if not better. The guy ran track all throughout his childhood, and I think even in college, he, he did the long jump just to stay in, ch- in shape. And you can tell it really shows. He can run from sideline to sideline like a will linebacker, and he can hit like a muck. So if you, really want to put, if you really want to put the entire responsibility of your defense around him, he can, he can execute just fine. The thing is, right. though, he's an even better coverage player. Like, oh, he, he, Clemson played him at safety quite a bit, and even in yeah. the nickel against faster tight ends. Like, they played him against Dad Moss against LSU, and they played him in the back end quite a bit against Ohio State, where he made that ridiculous interception, reading Justin Fields' eyes and moving from hash to hash. He knew that ball was coming as soon as the corner blitzed. So reading yeah. Fields' eyes, he just sprinted over to that sideline read the quarterback's eyes and made, made a play on the ball free safeties with that for players who have that kind of range, you want them playing safety. You Mm -hmm. really do. But the problem is he's such a great linebacker that do you want to play him close to the line of scrimmage? I think his best fit is a line is a Tampa two linebacker where he plays sort of a deeper zone and he can be a dominant presence in coverage. But if you want to blitz him, go ahead. Like if you really yeah. if you really want to play him back in coverage as a safety or against scat backs, he can do that too. There's nothing Simmons can't do except exactly. his one giant flaw from watching all the tape is he this he sort of uses his athleticism too much. He relies on it a little too much. It doesn't he read has trouble direct. changing directions. That too. Like he right. doesn't read run plays. Like multiple times um, ACC teams were running read options. And Simmons would guess wrong. He went inside almost every time. But mm-hmm. he's such a great athlete that it's still a tackle for loss because he just go, shoots back outside and makes the tackle. Like, right, and you can't teach athleticism, but you can teach, you can teach that. You can teach him to be better at that, but you can't teach the athletic skills that he has. 100%. Like, the, the problem with Simmons is where do you play him? Yeah. But, my, my player comparison for him, I couldn't figure one – Again, this player comparison had less to do with um, with the way they play, but more their ability to play defensive end, linebacker, safety effectively. I couldn't think of one. I put Derwin James and Jamal Adams because I just think that their, uh, their abilities to play so many different positions and their athleticism and their football IQ and every, everything that you want out of one defensive player I think that uh, he's more of Derwin James than anyone else. 
but I also think that he can have that uh, explosive ability like Jamal Adams. He fits the athletic profile of Derwin James perfectly, and I think he'd be suited better as an Adams type of player because he plays a lot more in the box. Like, Derwin is a fantastic deep safety. He can play play sideline to sideline, and he has the range to do it. Adams, I don't know about that as much, but he's still a fantastic coverage player. The thing with Simmons is... How much do you want you, – you can maximize him in the box all you want, but how much do you want him in coverage? And I, I think the answer exactly. to that is as much as you can, as much as you can get him. Yeah, but what it, re- what it really comes down to, it's rich people problems. It's like this kid's too good at everything. We're, like, we have – he has too much talent. Where do we put him? Like, how do we optimize this person, you know? And I don't, I don't think that's a bad issue to have. I think it's a similar issue that DK Metcalf had coming out of Ole Miss last year. It's we, we have this freaky athlete, but he can't run routes. So we're just not going to take him, which doesn't make yeah, any sense. Exactly. Like, yeah, they, and they're very similar with their issues changing direction. I mean, DK Metcalf's three cone was <laughs> pretty was terrible. One of the worst of all time. <laughs> right. But I mean, I don't think that had an effect on how he played in year one. He was still awesome. And I think Simmons can be awesome in year one. I think the motto should be, okay, we have an unbelievable athlete who can do everything. Let's find out where he fits best and, and, and center our entire system around him. And in terms of fit, there are multiple here that I could see that makes sense. I know the New York Giants invested quite a bit into their linebacker position with Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. However, neither of them are worth the money they got. I don't think I don't think either of them are that great of players. I don't care that they signed Blake Martinez to a thirty million dollar deal over three years. Isaiah Simmons is still better, so I'm drafting Isaiah Simmons if I'm New York. However, with Dave Gettleman as GM, I doubt that's going to happen. I think, yeah, yeah there's too much to say. Not, I I I live in Brooklyn, New York. He's not very liked over here. I'll I'll say that much. I mean Saquon Saquon Barkley is a very loved player, but even even my most diehard Giants friends think that it was an idiotic decision taking a running back at two and uh, taking Daniel Jones last year was, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, here's the situation where the, where the statistics lie in a sense. I was watching first take the other day and they were talking about Daniel Jones and Max Kellerman, the lion, uh, the uh, Giants Homer that he is, he was like, and he had, this many touchdowns and this many interceptions and he completely discounted the fact that he had he he uh the the fumble jesus christ it was like 12 to 15 something <laughs> like that it was a ridiculous yeah. double digit number but the thing with that is how much do you want to blame that on bad protection than on jones i want to blame himself? it i want to blame it more on jones holding the ball than bad protection the protection wasn't there but i think holding the definitely the Right. And another fit that that could make Simmons really, really good is probably the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, oh they've not God. had a linebacker. Can you imagine, yep. <laughs> can you imagine him with Derwin James? Yep, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Could you, could you imagine the Chargers getting the linebacker that they've needed for years, but that linebacker has the same profile as arguably the best safety in the NFL? Yeah. And, you and got, can do pretty much the same thing. You got Bosa and Ingram and uh, and uh, what uh, Casey Hayward, Casey Hayward, and Chris Harris, Chris ha- yeah, Chris Harris, 
it's and then Derwin James and Simmons that would that would be ridiculous. Anyway, if you're drafting, if you're Los, if you're Los Angeles Chargers, I quite honestly would consider passing on a quarterback just to take a guy like Isaiah Simmons mm-hmm. because you can get that Jordan Love or Jacob Eason in round two or round three, but you're not going to find a player like Simmons every day, let alone every two or three years. No, I th- he's that I he's think, that dominant. I think he's going to be that guy that everyone wants, but. The issue is a lot of people draft for need instead of drafting the best player available. Right. And a lot of people will look at him and say, well, you know, we have bigger needs, but you're never going to find a player like him again. He's 100%. He won't be the best player from this draft, I don't believe, but he is a once in a generation type player in that he's just so unique, but in the way that he plays football. Right. Uh, The final, I guess, sort of fit that makes sense is the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. They've, they lost Keekly over the off season due to retirement. So, I mean, any help at linebacker would be welcome. What what pick do they have? I forget. Seven. I doubt Simmons is going to be there. Quite honestly. I I doubt he'll be there. I have him as a top five pick, but hypothetically, if he wasn't there uh, and they were looking for that middle linebacker to replace Keekly, who do you think would be the best option? I think it would be Simmons if he's not there. Yeah. Uh, quite honestly, I'm not taking a linebacker then. Okay. I, I'll, I'll wait for a guy like Jeremy Chin in the second round who is a safety but has, once again, similar athletic traits to Simmons. It's like, why draft Isaiah Simmons seventh overall when you can get Jeff Okuda seventh overall and take Jeremy Chin in the second round? Right. It's an interesting way to think about it. It's not, it's not one I agree with. Yeah. Just to wrap him up, I, I wanted to put him at two very badly. I couldn't put him over Burrow, but I do have to say he is my favorite player in this entire draft. It's between him and Jalen Rager. I absolutely Oof, speed kills. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll go on to my number two, Joe Burrow. So uh, Joe Burrow had the greatest season in college football history for a quarterback. My player comparison that I put him for, uh, a lot of people told me, when I was looking around, I saw a lot of Aaron Rodgers. I didn't think that was uh, – Yeah, no, not – he's thought, not that much that of a gunslinger. A, I thought that was a bit too basic. So I put Tony Romo. I think that he represents a lot of his game. And also his uh, – he the one negative that I, that I saw, honestly, it shouldn't even be considered a negative because quarterback – this wasn't a thing two years ago. Uh, he's not a runner. You know, you see Lamar Jackson now, even Patrick Mahomes has some running ability. Russell Wilson can run when he has to. Uh, The best quarterbacks in the league right now are, you know, they're picking up and moving. But Joe, that being said, Joe Burrow, you can't, you can't use that. If Cincinnati doesn't take him on, I'm a Steeler fan, so please don't. (laughs) Cause then we'll, we'll have Baker Mayfield, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow in the division will still have Big Ben Roethlisberger. But at the same time, you know, there's just this kid does everything right. My pro comparison for Burrow, the thing with Burrow is he's my number three. Uh-huh. And I'm assuming Simmons is your number three. Simmons is my number uh, four. Okay. But when I, when I, no, no, when I wrote my big board, he was number five. But recently he moved up to four. Okay. Because uh, I have Akuda at three. Okay. 
my take on Burrow is he's Jimmy Garoppolo, but not a system dependent. I feel like I think really? Burrow's the guy. I, yeah, I think Burrow's the guy that you could throw into any system and he'd be just fine. Uh huh. People talk about all the supporting talent he has, but if he was a system quarterback like Jimmy is, not saying Jimmy's a bad quarterback by any means, he's good. But if he was a system quarterback, all we'd be seeing is bootlegs and five-yard checkdowns and the occasional deep shot. No, that's not Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Burrow can throw at any depth on any depth at any depth of target that, that you want him to do. He right. can take deep shots down the sideline. Well, if you, you want him to throw the check, check down, you, he can do that too. Yeah. It's all he's a smart, very smart quarterback. And if the plays break down, well, he's got the Aaron Rodgers effect where he can turn any broken play into, into, into a positive gain for his team. Exactly. I think that's where that sort of mo- quote unquote mobility comes in. Yeah. He, he's not Lamar Jackson. I don't think I've seen a running quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Right. There's, ever. A difference, there's a difference between mobility and being a running quarterback. Right. I don't think I personally think all the quarterback I think the top 3 guys in this class are mobile. I don't think any of them are running quarterbacks. Right. And Tua can even Burrow can. It's just yeah. Big Ben it's, is a mobile quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a mobile quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. I you, you we shouldn't be looking for those players just because the Ravens happen to hit gold. I think that the, there's no way the Bengals can mess this one up. One more thing on Burrow's mobility. It, in a way, it, it vaguely reminds me. I'm a Cowboys fan. It kind of reminds me of how Dak is used in Dak is used in a similar way. Uh-huh. Like if you want, if you want to get in a few design runs, just because LSU did that last year, you could probably do it with him. My issue is he. He probably wouldn't. Burrow probably wouldn't have success because the surrounding offensive line is not very good. Right. So I, I don't know how much you could you could use that in year one, but I think if you you play Burrow, you you have all of those weapons: Green, Boyd, Mixon, Tate, even Ross looked half decent last year. Mm-hmm. You, you put them with all those guys; they're not going to be an easy team to beat by any means. When Ross was playing, he was very good. He, he was very good, but the issue is he's been injured so much that I can't rely on him to be a consistent contributor to my team. Exactly. It's funny when people, when people talk about, like, say, the, the Redskins every year. It's like, oh, and they're getting this guy back this year, and they'll be talking about, like, Jordan Reed. It's like, oh, and this year they'll be getting back Jordan Reed. It's like, well, not really because he's never played a full season. Or if they talk about, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember, but let's just say uh, in basketball too, they talk about Blake Griffin. It's like, oh, the Cl- uh, the Clippers or the Detroit now they're getting Blake Griffin back. Blake Griffin is his whole career has been riddled with injuries. You can't count on these players to be playing when they've shown uh, no evidence in their past that they're capable of playing whole seasons. An ex. Uh, uh, one more point I'd like to make on uh, Burrow in general. The arm talent, the reason why I don't necessarily agree with the Tony Romo the Tony Romo comparison is I feel like Burrow doesn't have as much arm talent as Romo does. He has, like, he has good – Burrow has great arm talent. But mm-hmm. Tony Romo had fantastic – had elite arm talent. 
which is why I make the Jimmy Garoppolo comparison. Because when you watch them work from the pocket, they look like the exact same quarterback. Quick release, clean clean footwork and and throwing mechanics. They get the ball out really fast and in tight windows. They they are fearless players. Mm -hmm. Like especially Jimmy, he loves to work the middle of the field there, and a lot of his pat a lot of his throws are are sometimes in very tight windows occupied by middle linebackers who are playing who are playing zone. And right. Burrow is that Burrow is that kind of player because he's not afraid to make that throw. He if he sees a throw that he likes, he'll take it 10 times out of 10, which makes right. which pick even more can't miss for the Cincinnati Bengals at one. Yeah, the only thing I I I think that Burrow has a lot better um uh maybe decision making than Garoppolo, but Garoppolo yep. he is a gunslinger. And like you said before, I you don't think I, I don't think either that uh, Joe Burrow is very much a gunslinger. Uh, it's it's good in some respects and it's bad in some respects. But anyway, Joe Burrow can't miss a number one. So uh, let's go on to number three. Uh, who do you have at number three? Uh, I had Burrow. Okay, right. So we just went over him. I uh, I have Akuda at three. So when I, when I was going over Akuda, I was looking into what the scouts were saying, and there's pretty much they pretty much all there's a consensus Jeffrey Kuda checks almost every box that you need at his position. Uh, Ohio state ran a uh, um, cover one and cover three almost exclusively. And that just had just so happens to be the most popular coverage in the NFL. His best attribute is probably his ability to run any coverage. So he can run any coverage. He does it effectively the only thing that – the only knock on him that I could see it was glaringly that he was a little subpar at the catch point. I feel like Okuda is that one guy where like, how, like cover one and cover three looks mainly rely upon a, a fantastic free safety who can cover sideline to sideline like an Eddie Jackson, Derwin James like we mentioned earlier, those, yeah. those types of players. I feel like Okuda is – the one corner where you don't necessarily need that elite safety because nine times out of 10, he's not going to get beat. Right. The only, the only sort of time, the only times he really got quote unquote beat at Ohio state was when he was in, when he was bailing and team and his longest completion allowed last year was 28 yards. Right. And those receivers, if they're running underneath routes, there's nothing a bail technique can do to stop that. He's running backwards at full speed with his eyes with his eyes reading the quarterback. He's not going to be able to stop that, no matter what. It's pretty much a it's pretty much a chain mover in against his own coverage in general. So I think with Akuda, he could he could ha- he could have he could be that one player where you throw him on an island and leave him there. And you shut down half of the field like Byron Jones did last year for Dallas, right. last two seasons for Dallas at corner. Just leave him there, shut down that entire side of the field, and worry about the rest of your defense because he's, you know, he's not going to give up plays very often. As right. a Cowboys like, fan, um, when watching a guy like Byron Jones, I'm like, yeah, no, they're not going to throw it his way. I just have to look at what everyone else is doing. Right. My pro comp is uh, Akeem Talib, and I have him going to the uh, Detroit Lions. So what's your pro comp, and where do you have him going? I'm not quite sure on the pro comp because I don't think I've watched him enough to make one. I think he's uh-huh. really fundamentally sound, and my favorite part about him is he's not afraid to get his hands on you, and he knows, the, he knows, he's no, he knows his limits. 
he didn't get called for a single holding or pass interference penalty all of last year. So really, yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he didn't get called for a single holding or pass interference penalty last year. So he knows how to get his hands on the receiver, but he also knows his limits where he shouldn't get over aggressive. I think some other corners like TCU's Jeff Gladney have that problem where they get too handsy and get called for holding. Akuda's not mm-hmm. that guy. You're probably going to see zero interceptions out of him in year one because teams are just going to refuse to throw the ball his way. But I think his best fit would honestly be with the Carolina Panthers. I think okay. him starting across from Action Jackson would be perfect because at the moment their starting corner is Corn Elder, who I'm not really right. a fan of. I don't think they'll make it past. He'll make it past Detroit, but I think it would be a smart move by Carolina to move up. I wouldn't move up to three just to take a corner because the position not is so three, replaceable. But yeah, I don't think I don't think he'll be chosen at three. I just have him as three on here. Right. But I th- I think he'll be chosen by the lion. Uh, maybe the lions move back. I think that he would be best fit on the lions considering the uh, departure of. Um, Darius Slay. See, everyone says that, and the reason I disagree with why the Lions, the reason I say why the Lions should not take Akuda is because I I feel like their corner depth really isn't that bad. They have Justin Coleman. They drafted Oruwari from last year in the fifth round. They signed Desmond Trufant Mm -hmm. recently in the offseason, and with a guy like Matt Patricia who can really teach coverage, you could maybe get the best out of Trufant for maybe a year or two and then draft someone later. I think they should take someone who can help someone who can help them at, at a dominant position of need, like defensive tackle. At the moment, the Lions are starting John Atkins and Danny Shelton at defensive tackle, which is just a recipe to get run over by all of the West Coast offenses in the NFC North. So they right. need a guy. So who, who do you have? I have Derek Brown going there at third of. Do you have them trading down for him? I could see that if a team really wants back, but if you're trading down and you're out of like you're out. I'd even accept if it was the fifth pick. If Akuda's there, I I understand him. I like Brown better, but as long as it's not the third overall pick, because that has a lot that has more value than the fifth and the seventh, I I'm fine with Akuda at at any of those picks. Okay, awesome. So uh, on to number four. Who do you have? A number My four? number four. We it's a guy we just went over. It's Akuda. Okay. My number four was uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Let's go over this one because t- I'm not particularly high on Tagovailoa, but I want to hear your reason as to why you have him so high. Okay, so I when I was writing my uh, on my big board, I basically said that if you transport yourself back three years to that championship game where Jalen Hurts is having the worst game of his life, and Tagovailoa comes in, wins that game for them. And then you fast forward to next year, and Tagovailoa is the consensus number one pick pretty much for this year. Barring that injury and barring, um, and barring an unprecedented season by Joe Burrow. So I think that he, he has been, if you just take his play, he has been the consensus number one pick this entire time until those things happened. Now, he has a long like list of intangibles that are great and his accuracy is pretty much beyond comparison of anyone who isn't Joe. Ooh, I might disagree there with you. Actually. 
I watched. I really? act. I did. I I do. This is the number one. This is the number one thing I hold against Tua. Actually, I watched a one hour. I'm talking this draft class only. Yep. Yep. Me too. Really? Yeah. This is the num. This is the number. This is the number one point I have against Tua Tagovailoa. I watched a one hour oh, video I'm... of every dropback he had ever taken. My number one issue uh-huh. is his. My number is- one issue is how he placed the ball, because. With guys like um, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, I think that's the greatest receiving core that college football has ever seen. The thing with oh, the thing with Tua is he'd miss. Like when these guys are running drag routes for about for about eight yards, he throws it so that they'll get eight yards, not not so they'll get thirty. So, yeah, really? that's what I noticed quite a bit, especially with Devontae Smith. Like, that guy was open about 24-7. And the thing with Tagovailoa is he's inconsistent with those routes. You can, you'll see him throw perfectly the next play. But, yeah. I've, but I've seen him miss it enough times to not, like that, to not like that part of his game. And another thing is he's a first-read quarterback. Like – yeah. If he sees something, if if he sticks his eyes to that one read, he's gonna throw it ninety percent of the time. He does right, because he's he's not very comfortable throwing the ball deep either, which probably plays into that. Ironically, I thought his I thought I thought his deep ball was fantastic. I thought it was his best. Ooh. I thought his, I thought his accuracy deep was his was the best element of his entire game. He can. Oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the accuracy. I'm talking more his ability to get the ball there. Right, because of arm because he's of not, a lack of arm talent. Confident. In his arm strength, yeah, yeah exactly. His arm—I don't think his arm talent is as great as Burrow's. Quite honestly, I—I I wouldn't put it top three in the entire class with guys like Jordan Love and Jacob Eason. But in terms of accuracy, he can get it there. The issue is—is is it going to make it far? Is it going to make it as far as you want it to? Is he going to lead his receiver to run under the ball rather than to to have to stop and draw pass interference? It's the difference between a touchdown and a and a fifty yard penalty. Yeah. And there's the obvious, uh, there's sort of the obvious low hanging fruit when discussing to his game as well. It's the injuries. Uh, He failed physicals for top 10 teams. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't make him, I wouldn't drop him completely off my board because of that. I'd just be a little more cautious with him. And if I can't protect him, I don't see a point in drafting him, quite honestly. Right. So, what is your opinion on the Wonderlick, on the Wonderlick issue? I don't. I don't really care. Quite honestly, the guy went to Alabama, and I know it's a fifth. It's literally a fifth grade IQ test. But um, I, this is a tweet from Richard Sherman. Guys in the NFL don't really care. You have great players on both ends. Frank Gore got a six, and he's a Hall of Fame running back. So you you can have guys like Burrow who got like a thirty four, and Frank Gore who got like a six. I mean, sure, the, the players on the lower end aren't necessarily as good, but yeah. there's still plenty of good ones well, at that end. I don't, I don't think the Wonderlick – I think people are paying a little too much attention to the Wonderlick. Yeah. Coming from Richard Sherman, though, that means a lot. I mean, graduated Stanford, top of his class. <laughs> I mean, that, that guy is no joke. He's a very smart individual. For sure. I mean, I really think that guy should do something in education after he after he retires from football because he'd be perfect there. Um, but back to Tua, yeah. there's de- the potential is definitely there. But mm-hmm. I'd be I can't 
I, I can't take him knowing that he's a 100% hit without surrounding him with everything that he needs to be that that elite quarterback he was at Alabama. I, I mentioned the receiving core he had. He played with guys like um, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, um, Calvin Ridley. Right. Even on even on the yeah. defensive end, I'm not high on Trayvon Diggs, but he's an NFL player. Uh, Dylan mm-hmm. Moses, Anthony Jennings, Terrell Lewis, Raekwon Davis. Like Alabama usually has incredible incredible defenses almost every year. I feel like this year was the one exception because they lost they lost a lot of talent and their cornerback recruiting has been spotty as of late. But you need Tua to have that team. That's the only way he's going to help you, in my opinion, which is why nine at Jacksonville is a, is a great fit for him. They're not very good right now, but with all the picks that they're going to get by giving up so many high-value assets, you could see them really building a team around a guy like that. Right. So what do you do with Minshew if they take him? Do you keep him or do you try and uh, – I'm not going to flip him because he's a bridge quarterback, and I know he can play at a decent level if Tua gets hurt. And that's very much a possibility. If anything, if Minshew wins the job, then great. Give two of that year on the bench and let him compete in year two. Because he'll probably be a different quarterback in year two. But do I want Minshew starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Not really. I don't see him as a franchise quarterback. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So let's wrap him up. Uh, Five on my list I had. Oh, so who was your number My number four was Jeff Okuda. Right, right, right. So five on my list was Isaiah Simmons, but he uh, has moved up to four for me. So who was your five? I'm going to go with Derek Brown here, the guy who I mentioned earlier, defensive tackle out of Auburn. With Brown is he's such a great player now, but I I don't think he's going to have he's going to be as insane as he was his final year at Auburn. The thing is, Joe Burrow, who we discussed as having the greatest college football season of all time. Had his had by far his best Auburn because Derek Brown consistently wrecked the pocket against both the run and the pass, and Burrow had to throw the ball really quickly. Like he's not Aaron Donald yeah. in the sense that he's he's not savvy with his hands, and he's not as great of an athlete as Donald was coming out. But right. if you my my go ahead, I I didn't make my um he didn't make my uh, top ten. But he's right outside there. He's, he's in my 11 through 20. And I didn't write a player comp for him. But if I would compare him to any one player, it would probably be Akeem Hicks or Fletcher I, Cox. You know, I see the that, Hicks a lot someone, more. I definitely see the yeah, Hicks. Someone in that second tier. Because you can't, you can't block Hicks. And I feel like Brown's going to be that good exactly. at the same level. And, the, and, what, yeah. and what makes his, his pick at number three overall really valuable is – at worst, he's just a giant. He's just a giant, massive human being who's going to take up a lot of space exactly. in the middle of your defense. And at his best, uh-huh. he could be DJ Reader, arguably the best nose tackle in the entire NFL. He could be that good against the mm-hmm. run. Sure, he's not going to give you a lot of pass rush production, but he's going to wreck the pocket. The, the numbers aren't going to show his true impact, and this is that's what that's probably the best thing I could say to surround Brown's game. You'll see it when you watch the games. But you won't see it when you read yeah. stats. And honestly, there's not there's not a ton that you can tell from a nose tackle stats because aside from Aaron Donald, who's on a completely different level than anyone ever, 
Uh, you can't measure their stats really in in sacks. You know, you don't expect your nose tackle to be racking up 15 to 20 sacks a year like Aaron Donald. They're not. That's not their job. Their job is to disrupt the pass, and their job is to um, is to uh, stop the run up the middle. So you're not going to see a ton of those stats show up for a nose tackle. You have to measure their value in different ways. You have to th- – their tape more than them and, like, say, an offensive lineman, their tape matters more than anything because the, there's not really a lot of stats to help uh, their case, so to speak. I mentioned that the Hicks comparison would be great, but um, another – Sorry, so, sorry, I got sidetracked there. Um, I'm, I want to uh, go back to what you said about Aaron Donald there. And the thing with Donald is he's not even a true nose. He he, he plays no, three not. tech, and they're very different things. Like a uh, nose is lined up right on the center, while a three tech is a, is shaded closer towards the guard. So he's not. So okay. he's he's he does take on double teams, just because he's such a dominant player, but. It's not like he's that he's that two gapping nose guard who's going to make plays in this in the inter, in the in the middle of your of your defensive line. He can do it, but that's not his game. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Akeem Hicks was probably the most that uh, probably the person he reminds me of the most in terms of positives. Uh, again, I don't have anything right here in front of me because I didn't uh, put anything down for him, but he he is so powerful and he can get that, that offensive lineman, you know, backpedaling. Oh yeah. He, he, he's that one guy to get that offensive lineman on his heels. If that makes any sense, like he's just yeah. going to overpower them at the next level. I, I would highly doubt that any guard is as strong as him in the league. Not even a guy like Quentin Nelson or Brandon Brooks or Zach Martin, who are three of the best in the league. I think even those guys are going to have issues blocking Brown because he's so big and he make, and he also, and he's also really, really physical. So with him just being an immovable defensive presence, he's, Teams aren't going to have a lot of success running the ball against the Detroit Lions. Well, actually, I'm, I'll take that statement back because the team's linebackers aren't very good. But that's no knock on Brown. That's just a knock on how bad everyone else is in Detroit. And, heck, if Brown gets six, seven, or eight sacks in year one, I, I know sacks, sacks aren't a great indicator, but I think those are, those are going to make the stat, stat stuffers much, much happier with a pick. Definitely. Yeah. And you know he's going to be an imposing run defender. You know he's going to be. Yeah, I don't trust the stat. I don't trust the stat stuffers to <laughs> to evaluate players anyway. Right. And uh, moving on, who's your number? Your number five is Simmons. Mine was Isaiah Simmons. Simmons, but I moved him up, so I would say Tagovailoa would be okay. five. Um. Yeah, and we 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 went over him. So right. And moving on to number six, uh, who's your guy? CD Lamb. This the, that's very high. I don't even have him in my top ten. Quite honestly, I I, I don't really? have him at my, at my top ten just because Lamb is awesome, but I can get a receiver who's not that much worse than he is. Twenty picks later. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I still think that he um that he is uh he belongs. He's one of the in terms of again. This isn't a mock draft. This is just like talking about uh 
players value like as it pertains to um it's not about where they're getting drafted it's about just how sure but when you're and i think that he's like sure but when you're making a big board like each individual team has you got to consider well i mean every team should consider best player available but if even though he's the best receiver could you could you really place him that high on your board if you can get a player who's almost as good as he is several picks later that's the dilemma I have with Lamb. You know, I have three in my I have three receivers in my top ten. I mean, this is the deepest receiver. Uh, this is the deepest receiver. I agree with you. I have like seven going in the in, first in, round alone. In a decade, yeah. So uh, if you're I, if you're just isolating value, like regardless of position, uh, I think that he is the sixth best player in this draft. You could argue that for sure. I think he's going to have – I'm not done grading players as of yet, but I'm pretty sure he has the second highest overall grade on my board, only behind Joe Burrow so far. I'm not done defense yet, which is another – which is unfortunate, but he is my number two offensive player at the moment behind uh, Joe Burrow, but he's not – he's not second on my big board, once again, because of position. But if we talk about Lamb's skill set, he is the true X receiver that you want – that any team would. Just because, yeah. Who's your? Confidence? I compared him to Allen Robinson. People have been saying Hopkins, but my issue with that is I don't think Hopkins is as good after the catch as Lamb is. Lamb, Lamb breaks. Ta- Lamb's gonna break tackle after tackle after tackle, and he's and he's he's gonna get you twenty yards after the catch just because teams can't bring him down. He's deceptively strong too, like. You can see that in the run game. He's a willing blocker. He's gonna throw. He's gonna. He's gonna cut block. He's gonna cut block safeties and corners and throw crackbacks, which are sometimes seen as cheap shots. But his willingness to throw his body out there, like those kinds of intangibles, are what teams look for in a wide receiver. One guys who impact the run game and are truly unselfish. Guys who just don't. Guys who play. Guys who play so that the team wins, not just so that they get the ball. And the reason why I compare him to Allen Robinson is. Like Robinson, Lamb is, a, is the best fit at, at X receiver, but he can play all over. You can play him at Z. I wouldn't recommend it because you can probably get a faster guy there. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can play him all over the field. Robinson himself is a great yak receiver. He's incredibly physical. I mean, everything, everything Lamb does, except for one trait, which I'm about to mention in a second, Robinson can do just as well at the pro level. And that one trait, in my opinion, is route run. Not to say that Sadie Lamb can't run routes. He definitely can. He's not DK Metcalf from a year ago. Mm-hmm. But when you see right. the Oklahoma system, they really didn't ask much much out of him in terms of that, in terms of route running. Like I want when I watched him, most of the routes he ran were outs, slants. You'd get the occasional corner, corner or post. Like very simple routes. And I wouldn't say his I wouldn't say his route tree is developmental like that of Jalen Rager, for example. I think he can run very good routes if given the freedom to do so. Uh, Lincoln Riley didn't exactly preach that at Oklahoma. So so as a result, Lamb, Lamb wasn't asked to do it as much. But I could definitely see I could definitely see him being a fantastic route runner in the NFL. That's where I do see the Hopkins pro comparison. He's not as great right now, but he could be that good at the next level. One knock I do have against Lamb is he didn't exactly face top 
10 top tier competition. This is going to be, this is going to be the argument you hear out of everyone who, who's coming out of the big 12. It's competition. There's about, there's about one good team right. that comes out of the big 12 every single season. That's Oklahoma. So with lamb, how much can you really say that he went against top, top talent? Like the best corner in the big 12 was Jeff Gladney, who by no means is a below average corner. He's fantastic. And lamb won several reps, but if you have one to two, one to maybe one to two games against NFL level talent per year, I don't know that he's going to be as dominant as he is in the NFL. And he didn't face much press at all in the big 12 for some reason, like at all. So how much could you Mm -hmm. really see that being a factor at the next level, especially if he's going to go to the jets, which is my projected pick for him. And you have guys like aggressive corners, like Stefan Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore, Damian Howard, Howard. JC Jackson, even himself, Tredavious White, another great press corner. Press bail, excuse me. Um, so if Lamb hasn't faced press much in, at Oklahoma, he's going to struggle against those guys. But he's such a great weapon that you can't pass on him at 11 overall. Exactly. Uh, I think that his route running ability isn't tremendous, but I think that he does have an ability to persuade corners in a way that a lot of people aren't able to do. And the one thing that I would knock against him would be his – frankly unimpressive speed i think it's deceptive more than it is unimpressive like he ran four five i think that's okay it's not it's not great it's not julio but it's fine right right like it's it yeah, it's it's fine it's, it's just unimpressive <laughs> but he yeah. looked fantastic outside of that of the combine he looked awesome yeah at so six i actually have my first offensive line and i'm gonna go jedrick wills here and the reason I have Will so high is I, th- I truly think he is, in a way, he's Chase Young, but on the offensive tackle end. I think he has Canton upside. Okay. I think he's, he's going to be that good in the NFL. You could... I think he's got great upside. I think he's not as fundamentally sound as... Um, as uh, Definitely not. Is. No, I don't but think, I don't I think, like any, I don't think anybody's going to be as fundamentally sound as Chase Young is. But the thing with Wills is uh-huh. he's such a dominant pass blocker that it, it's the guy who you want as your franchise offensive lineman. Like the, the Cowboys have Tyron uh-huh. Smith, the Texans have Laramie Tunsil, the Eagles have Lane Johnson. That's the, that's the franchise player that you have at offensive lineman who you know, no matter what, is most likely not going to get beat. And the fact that Wills is such mm-hmm. a great athlete and that he can play Pretty much every position on the offensive line. I think that's a commonality among the linemen of this class, at least. He's, I feel like he really doesn't have that many flaws. Another, another aspect of his game that makes him similar to Chase Young. I don't think he has mm-hmm. many flaws. And that in, that in turn makes him a can't miss. I could even see him going fourth overall to the Giants. I wouldn't say that's a bad pick. Because Daniel Jones took way too many hits. What? Why would you um? Why would you take him over a player like Andrew Thomas? I think I just think Wills's upside is a is a little bit better. I think Thomas. Right, I think his upside's a lot better. Actually, I just think that Thomas is a more very very pick. And when it comes to offensive line, when it comes to offensive linemen, I play teams tend to pick more safe safely, you know, more comfortably. 
I, I agree. And I think that would be the case if it, I, I think Thomas is going to get drafted. He's another player on my big board, by the way. I think Thomas is going to get drafted yeah, to a team that is ready to win. Like, for example, the Cleveland Browns, who had all the talent in the world, but off their offensive line and coaching didn't do them any favors. So if you just right. plug, plug a guy like Andrew Thomas there on that line, then they're, they're ready to win because Thomas is Thomas can start from day one at an above-average level. Is he going to be that first-team All-Pro Hall of Fame Joe Thomas slash Tyron Smith guy that Jedrick Wills could be? Probably not, but he's going to be uh, – he's still going to be – he's probably going to make the Pro Bowl every single year. That's my spiel on Andrew Thomas. I'm not – for, I'm not uh, sure. I've not, I've not watched either of them enough to make a comp, quite honestly. I just think they're great athletes, and I, I think they're great athletes. Will, like you said, has more upside than Thomas, but they can but they can both devastate the run game and the pass game. Mm-hmm. So who's who's your guy, number six? C.D. Lamb, right? Yeah, mine is C.D. Lamb. So Chetrick uh, uh, Wills was my okay. number nine guy. So you want to go on to number seven, uh, you, can, you can go first because I have another receiver. I Let's talk about that, actually, seven. first. Let's so talk I'll about that. Let's talk about Judy. Sure. sure. I think so, I'm uh, not uh, as high on Judy as I am as many others in the NFL community. Do I think he's a sensational route runner? Yes. I think if you were going to isolate one element of Judy's game that made him such a dominant force at Alabama, it's his route running. It's the ability – to shake any coverage and make defenders look absolutely stupid. Like his route running at almost every level is fantastic. The issue that I have with Judy though, is it's more that he's, he's the best receiver in the class. If, if the NF, if quarterbacks had three seconds or more to throw in the NFL, he'll put a move on you and he'll make you look absolutely terrible. But he takes forever to do it. Right. That's he won't be able to do that. And yeah. it, the fact that he has concentration and the fact that concentration drops plague the guy, that it's not concerning as much as it is. Would I take would I rather have Judy knowing that he might have these issues in the NFL, or would I rather have Henry Ruggs, who I th- I think is legitimately better than Judy? Yeah, I do legitimately really? think Henry Ruggs is better than Judy. Let's talk about this actually. I think sure, I sure. think Rugs is I think Rugs is uh, seen as just a speed guy by most of the media as a joke. He is a great route runner and he's excellent. I, I I really thank you for saying that because not many not many people see it. <laughs> like I've I've even heard John Ross yeah. comparisons, which don't make any sense because Ross Ross's durability is a lot worse than Rugs. His hands aren't as good as Rugs and. And he just couldn't run routes like Ruggs could. Like, mm-hmm. I don't – I could see why Ruggs could be the first receiver drafted off the board at 12 overall to Las Vegas tomorrow. I legitimately could see it. Really? Because the Raiders need speed more than anything. And – I have my pro comp. Me too. Deshaun Jackson. Really? Me too. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I think he's a perfect – I think Deshaun Jackson's a perfect fit, mainly because they both have physicality concerns. Rugs against press is mm-hmm. not something that I want to see at the NFL level, mainly because those corners are going to be a lot stronger than he is, and they can disrupt him at the line. But he he can avoid that press coverage because he can. of his speed. I mean, you're not going to see so much press coverage on him 
because, you know, the defender has to give him that extra space because of his speed. They have to respect that. Right, and one more thing with Ruggs is he can go from zero to 100 in the in the blink of an eye. He, acceleration yeah, is unreal. Acceleration is like, awesome. that's one more thing people don't recognize. Ruggs can beat you in every single way. He's a good enough – he's a fantastic athlete. So he so it, a five-yard slant to the house is never out of the question. He can, he can take a go ball. Right. If you want him running go balls, he can do that. I mean, heck, there's even one play against, I think it was Texas A&M, where he runs a double move, has the defender looking absolutely terrible, but Tua throws a bad ball, or rather in front of his <laughs> in front of his shoulder where he could run under it. He throws a back shoulder, which is probably not the ideal throw you want to be giving to a 5'10", 5'11 receiver. But Rooks, Rooks can jump out of the right. building. So he still makes the catch yeah. like a 6'3", Julio Jones would, and it's a touchdown. Like... Sure, he's a bit of a body catcher in that way. He doesn't exactly attack the football with his hands. But can you really ignore the upside? Not in my opinion. That's why I think Ruggs is better. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't use his body enough, I said. And um, his, his acceleration in terms of change of direction is great, but his acceleration off the line of scrimmage is uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. So I have him as an early to middle first round pick. When I wrote my big board, he was, I had him as a mid to late first round pick, but we've, I've heard so many, um, uh, yeah, I'm getting a little noise. Sorry. Um, uh, sorry. Something's happening in my back. Something's happening in the background. Um, uh, yeah. Back to what I was saying about rugs. His stock is all over the place, but yeah, I've seen people having, having this high as 11, but, the Chiefs want to trade up, so that, that's always a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's always a possibility. Um, back to what we were saying about Judy, though. I think the two are – I think Ruggs is a better athlete than Judy, but they have very similar um, – they, they, their route running acumen is very similar. I think Ruggs is a bit better deep, while Judy's a bit better underneath. Yeah, that's good. Um, my number seven is a little bit more controversial, mainly because the, I think the draft community is overthinking him by quite a lot. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert here, quarterback out of Oregon. Okay. He, didn't he, didn't, he, he, he probably didn't make a lot of people's top ten. So uh, <laughs> give me your thoughts on Herbert real quick. So I, I'm not super high on Herbert. There's just – there's a lot to be uh, there's a lot to question about him, you know, as you can understand. He's very uh, his arm strength. Hundred percent. He can charge, probably he can make all but, platform throws anytime, anywhere. Like he throws even throw yeah, into a he has, he has the arm talent. The, the mental aspects of his game is still like uh, right. know, a work in progress. Uh, some positive, some things that I liked about him. He he has the most, like uh, the most perfect arm in the class in terms of arm strength. The ball flies out of his hands like you couldn't imagine. And um, but some negatives, you know, he's a little shaky underneath, like with the shorter stuff. And uh, I don't I don't think that uh, I think that he does have a fumble issues like uh, like Daniel Jones does. I I want to ask you. a Quick question here. Did you watch the game against Arizona State? Uh, did no, did you watch the tape on it? 
Oh yeah, no. I think no. that that game alone is why people are so incredibly low on Herbert because he he threw two of the dumbest interceptions I've ever seen in that game. Like throws that like for example on a hitch route where the defender is sitting on it and just daring him to throw that ball. He still throws it because they're down like 14 points. He still throws it and and pays the price. Like the thing with Herbert is, it's like you said, the mental game isn't exactly there, and he and I he does have some concerns with timing, but that elite deep ball, that that arm talent alone, in general, with a poor system, makes him. I, I think I have him at five to Miami. I think I think that should that I think they should make that pick. He can start from day one, and he. It's a lot more, dur- and the durability is definitely not a concern with him as it is with Tua. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, Ryan Tannehill in him. I see a lot of Josh Allen in him in terms of his like body and uh, his ability. I think to his mental deep. processor is a tad um, bit better than Josh Allen's, though. Probably a tad bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I, I would even say that his deep accuracy sure. would be better than Josh Allen's. The, with the ability that Josh Allen has to get the ball deep, his ability to place the ball deep is not um, is not very good, in fact. But Michigan State is my favorite. I uh, is my favorite college team. My dad went there, and I grew up loving them. And I saw him. I saw Justin Herbert play against them a couple of years ago uh, in a bowl game. And I'm, I had never seen him play before, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to get to see this kid play. I, I hear amazing things about him that, you know, he's a top prospect next year for the draft. And then he played, and I'm sitting there. They, they won, like, and neither team scored uh, above 20 points. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what is it about this kid that everyone likes so much? And I, I don't know, ever since then, I guess I put a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah, I've never been as high on him. Since. Being quite honest with you, I wasn't high on Herbert the first time I saw him either. It was against Arizona State. Is that Arizona State game? You should really check that out. It, it's probably just going to make you more sour towards yeah, him. Like I, my pro comparison for him is actually Carson Wentz, just because of the arm talent. Okay, yeah, the reason he reminds me of Carson Wentz is the arm talent is definitely there. Carson Wentz has a whip for an arm. Like it is fantastic, and he can probably throw every depth of the field with fantastic timing. Which is why I like Wentz, too. In terms of a pocket passer, Herbert's mechanics are just fine. I think the system at Oregon it really limited it really limited how much he could help them. And if a team's going to get the most out of him, I don't think. I think they should just let him cut it loose, honestly. Like, let him, let him find out for himself what he can do and what he can't do mm-hmm. at the NFL level. Because I think trial by fire is the best way for a player of Herbert's caliber. Right. So uh, on to number eight now. I had uh, I put Andrew Thomas there. So we talked a little bit about him before. I I think that he has been uh, in terms of comparing him to Jedrick Wills. He's been a little more consistent over his uh, three years at Georgia. I think that he's, oh, a, for sure. he's a lot more fundamentally sound. Like we said before, the upside for Wills is a lot higher. Uh, but Andrew Thomas, I think, is a safer pick, and that's ultimately what. Uh, what teams are looking for when they pick their offensive linemen, especially so high up in the draft. Physical gifts, they don't really like, um, they don't mitigate uh, his erratic feet, so to speak. His feet shuffle a little bit too much. 
Uh, and he's a little reckless in his uh, run blocking. But I think he's a great pass blocker. And uh, if he can just get that foot issue down, if he can work on his footwork at the next level, which I think is definitely um, – which he's definitely able to do, I think that he can be a very consistent offensive lineman for years to come. Just one thing to mention about both Thomas and Wills, they are devastating run blockers. Like, yeah. they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I want those guys – I want to center my entire zone run game just around those guys' abilities to move because they can get to that second level and drop that middle linebacker just so the running back is going to find the lane. I think I think run blocking in general, especially with how much the 49ers used it last year and didn't have to lean on their quarterback, I think teams are going to see that a lot more this year and try to actually yeah. create an effective run game. Uh-huh. Try to create a more effective run game. Incorporate it a lot more. I know the NFL is a pass-heavy league, without a doubt. Right. But creating an creating an effective run game comes really it, it it relies on three on like two or three things. It relies on how good the passing attack is, how good the offensive line is, and then, uh, yeah, those are probably the two things that it relies on the most. So I think if you have that passing attack and that uh, and that offensive line both of which uh, Andrew Thomas can help out. I think that definitely helps the run game in a lot of respects. For sure. So with that in mind, I'd like to make one more point on Thomas, though, when you say he was, he's the highest, he's the safer pick. I agree. But if your team is in a rebuild, wouldn't you want Wills? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like if you're the Giants and you want to help Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley – you'd want to put a guy like Wills to replace Nate Solder and, my, and Mike Remmers, who were both garbage last uh-huh. season. You'd want, you'd want to throw Wills on either side, just so Saquon Barkley has better running lanes. And at the end of the day, that's what the Giants need if they want to succeed on offense. They would need Saquon Barkley to be productive. Right. My number eight was actually Tua, who we discussed earlier. Um, who was your number nine? My number nine was Jedrick Wills, who we also discussed. And my number 10 was Henry Ruggs, who we also discussed. So who uh, who else do you have on yours? My number nine is actually going to be a, pretty much a consensus top 10 player on every team's draft board. But we're going to talk about C.J. Henderson from Florida. And the thing that people – Henderson, I'm not actually as high on Henderson as most people are. But when you realize that he's such a great athlete, you could argue he's even better than Akuda. You, mm-hmm. you could argue he's an even better athlete than Akuda just because his recovery speed is jaw-dropping. Yeah. And he's so physical as well. Like I, I think he could be a press corner at the next level, but also play in that cover one, cover three. His issue, though, when he's especially when he's playing zone, is his eye discipline. He gets caught staring into the backfield way too much. He is, think, he is way too patient. He trusts himself more to recover than, uh, you know, than he trusts himself way too much to recover, and he's not very proactive. Right, but that could also be a positive when you think about how he could bait quarterbacks into making throws that they think are there, but having that recovery speed just absolutely takes it away. So with Henderson, once again, his eye discipline is not good. It's probably his worst trade as a player outside of his tackling, which almost every corner is bad at in this class, to be quite frank. 
Right. I, even Akuda has even Akuda is not very good. Skills, yeah. But you're not drafting a cornerback based on their tackling ability. Henderson's not. Henderson's pretty terrible too. I mean, he just he just goes way too low. He he either goes too low or too high, and he gets broken half the time. Mm-hmm. But going back to eye discipline, his eyes are just in the backfield way too often, and because of that, he doesn't know when a receiver is going to run right past him. There was one play against Auburn that summarizes perfectly. You had Seth Williams running a post. I don't know if you saw this game, but he runs right past him, and Henderson's staring down at the quarterback the entire play. Doesn't realize the receiver's 20 yards behind him. And if that was a better throw from Bonix, that's six. Mm-hmm. Like ha- The thing with that, though, is it's super coachable. Like you can train a corner to not peek in the backfield way too often. Reading the quarterback is always important when especially when you're playing zone. But yeah. those things are coachable, but he he also has those uncoachable traits and not uncoachable in a, like he has those good traits that are uncoachable that you can't really teach. Which is what makes him a top ten player on most people's boards. That's why some yeah. teams even apparently have him higher than Akuda, which I disagree with. Where do you think he's going? I I think he could go as early as nine to the Jaguars. I'm not as fond of him, so I have him going at 16 to the Falcons, which is a bit lower. But I I really think he's a good fit if you you want to replace Ramsey. I also like his fit in Atlanta because they run a a zone defense. And with Desmond Trufant leaving, I don't trust Isaiah Oliver to hold his own against Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Michael – uh, again, Michael, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. Sorry, I said Julio Jones, DJ, Manuel Sanders, Chris Godwin, guys like guys of that caliber. I don't mm-hmm. trust Isaiah Oliver against those guys, so I, I'd assume they'd be taking Henderson if he was available. But I think he's going to be going a lot earlier than people think. Right. One more thing with Henderson, we've already mentioned the the tackling, the physicality, a lot of those, a lot of those traits. A lot of those bad traits are coachable and a lot of those good traits are uncoachable. So that in general makes him a sort of makes him a project a lot more than unique to admit. He's very unique though. But he's one of the most unique corners in this class, without a doubt. Okay. So who do you have at 10? I have Andrew Thomas, who we already okay. discussed a little bit earlier. Right. So that wraps up the top ten. Who's your number one sleeper? I don't I wouldn't say this guy is necessarily a sleeper. But actually, I want to discuss two. I want to discuss two players here. They're they're both going to be running backs. I think Jonathan Taylor is severely underrated in this class. Mm-hmm. No one really has a first round running back besides the obvious casual who mocks DeAndre Swift at eighteen. The Dolphins, which makes absolutely no sense. You won't really have a running back in the first round besides maybe until thirty two if the Chiefs really want to pull the trigger. That would be a broken offense. I don't think they would. The Chiefs, the Chiefs understand their running game is not their uh, is not what makes them successful. They have a very interchangeable um, like running back scheme, you know, and it's more based on uh, like a pass catching ability and uh, I disagree with you that there, kind though. of thing. I disagree with you there, though. In all of Andy Reid's coaching tenure, the Chiefs and the Eagles have had fantastic running games. Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. I think that was the issue this year. They didn't have a good running back. So they don't have, they're not going to have a good running game without a good running back. Mm-hmm. LaShawn McCoy, even in his time in Philly, was a great running back under Reed. Right. So with that in mind, I think Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers are two 
prospects who are being hyped as early second round guys, but I have a first round grade on both. Right. Cam my, my, so, my thing really about, uh, about the chiefs and the, and the running backs is just, you're, you know, your success is coming from Patrick Mahomes. I really don't think right. they would, if anything, I would want to overload that ability to optimize Mahomes with a pick like Henry Ruggs. I don't think it will be there at 32, but I think if he falls past 20, I think that they should trade up to get him. I, I think that you need to work more to optimize Mahomes as much as possible before you, it, like, like they say, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. So I think that their offense is good the way that they are. But if they added even more to that in an area that really is the reason for their success, I think that that would be more valuable than like taking a running back at their position. But if they don't would plan they on trading up, then at 32, I mean, I wouldn't see an issue with that. Would they be more broken if they added a pa- another pass catcher? Sure. But – I think Mahomes could be at his best if the Chiefs have a running have a run game where they could take pressure off of him and not force him to make everything. By the way, he is fully capable of doing that. Yeah, but I don't want him to. Take, I don't. Yeah, I just don't want to. I just don't want him to take more sacks. I I, I want to. I want to rely on Mahomes a lot because he's my franchise quarterback. But that doesn't mean I want the Chiefs throwing the ball on every single play. I want them to have a solid run game. But with Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers, who are both severely underrated players, in my opinion, let's start with Taylor. He is unbelievably physical. Like, he he carries play. He carries defenders for extra yards. He's always fighting. He has unbelievable power. And I think two really underrated aspects of his game are his elusiveness and, and his pass blocking. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's not a great receiving back. In fact, I'd say his utility-wise, he'd be more of Derrick Henry than, than let's say, um, than, than Christian McCaffrey, for example. He's very elusive, but the fact that he's not a great receiving back limits his potential. Mm-hmm. Another issue with Taylor is wear and tear. Like he's ta- I think he's taken 900 carries in three seasons, which is insane. That's an NFL workload right there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I don't know how – I don't know if – he can take a lot of volume in the NFL. I think he is the best running back in this class beyond the shadow of doubt. Mm-hmm. But am I? But am I? But am I going to give him 300 touches a year? Probably not, because I don't want him. I, I want him lasting five years, not two. Right. I don't want him getting injured. So his his change of direction, elusiveness, power, all of that is either great or seriously underrated. And I think, in general, that makes him the best running back in this class beyond the shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, if we move on to Cam Akers, for example, he was misused at Florida State. They didn't give him the ball as much as they should have. And even when they did, their offensive line was terrible. So it's not like he was given the same situation as DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, those kinds of players. The thing with Akers is he's a fantastic pass blocker. Like, that's one of the most important traits in a running back Very in today's valuable. And is their ability to protect the quarterback. So they're fantastic. He's fantastic in pass blocking. His burst is, I'd say it's good. It's not elite by any means, but it's good. Yeah. He can definitely break the run if he if he's given space. Mm-hmm. But my nickname, but my nickname that I sort of have for Cam Akers is literally bulldozer. <laughs> like he powers through people. He's not as big as Jonathan Taylor, but he he plays with so much power 
that defenders are just bouncing off of him. I've used the bowling ball analogy with several running backs in this class, but his balance is so good when people hit him and he can break tackles like sort of a Marshawn Lynch. I'm just going to run through you and you can do nothing about it. But with that power element, he can stick his foot in the ground and, and make defenders look stupid in terms of like missing tackles, eluding them, cutting, all of that. He can be a three down back in today's game. I think he showed the most receiving potential of all the running backs in this entire class. He's a gem without a doubt. Okay. So I see them both as round two guys. How about you? Who do you got? Who do you have as sleepers in this class? Well, I would you consider Jalen Rager a sleeper? I, I would, but it I would and I wouldn't. It all depends on where you're going to take it. Yeah, because really, because I mean, Jalen Rager. You may say first round is not a sleeper, but at the same time, you, with the amount of depth at the uh, receiver position this year, a lot of people don't really know who he is. The thing with Rager is he has Henry Ruggs level speed, in my opinion. Like, he, he does, so yeah. And then he, ran that in, he ran that unofficial 40, he ran a 4-2, 4 two, four two, two. Right. I don't think combine measurements are everything, but exactly. but Rager can run really fast. I think he did track too in high school. He was a he was a I think he was a hurdler or a sprinter, one of the two. Yeah, he did he did um uh he did long jumping. Right. And then in his combine he uh he, he came in the ninety eighth percentile in the vertical jump and the ninety ninth percentile in the broad jump. So he put on he put on about ten extra pounds when he was um uh, when he first came to the combine, which was primarily the reason that he didn't run as fast, like in the Henry Ruggs area, right? But then he he did have that um, the uh, informal pro day at the Plex, and he ran a four. He ran two informal forty yard dashes. He ran a four two eight and a four two two. Considering those are both hand time, just as a disclaimer. I'm pretty sure those yeah. are both hand time. So there's not right. much we can make about it, but Jalen Rager is fast. And the what separates Rager and Ruggs to me, I, I think if Jalen Rager had a bit more of had a bit more of a polished route trip, I think he would be I think he would be considered a top five wide receiver in this class. I have him as my wide receiver six. And the thing is he's he's only three points behind Henry Ruggs in terms of great. Like, they're not that far apart, in my opinion. But Ruggs is going to get taken way before Rager because he's a do-it-all receiver who doesn't have very much size. Rager, Rager's quarterback. Who, who, else do you, who else do you have in front of him? I have, um, I have Lamb, Lamb, Judy, Judy Ruggs. Ruggs, Visca, and I also have Higgins. I'm a Clemson guy, so the Higgins, the Higgins ranking might be a little bit biased, but I think people are overthinking him as well. Where do you have Jefferson? Jefferson, I have at seven. I think Rager is a okay. tad better because of because right. the athleticism offers so much it factor and ceiling and just upside in general. I, I think Rager probably has the highest ceiling of any receiver in this class, not named Henry Rose. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. I, re- yeah, I, I, I like Rager. Probably, I really like Rager. Yeah, me too. I think that he I I don't I think that he would be excellent. My uh, where I had him going in my scouting report. I said that he should go to the Eagles because the Eagles have $24 million invested 
in Deshaun Jackson and in Alshon Jeffrey, who are both very injury prone and on the downsides of their careers. I think that JJ Arcega Whiteside has had, um, he didn't, he was very, he wasn't very good last year, but I, I definitely think it's too early to give up on him. And I think if you take Rager, the, both of their developments would not be hindered by each other. They, they, they wouldn't be playing the same position. I think that them in Doug Peterson's system with get, getting balls thrown from them from Carson Wentz can only, can only have good things happen. And I think that their development won't be, uh, won't be hurt by the, each other. I don't think Arcega Whiteside's particularly that good. I think the Eagles reached quite a bit last year when taking him. I think I think they reached for him too, but I think that he is still has a lot of development, you know, before they give up on him. I, for sure, you can't give up on a second round pick one year in, in my opinion. But yeah. I, I think Rager. In fact, I did a mock with someone yesterday, and we had Rager at that exact pick at twenty one to the Eagles. And the reason why uh-huh. it works so well is because he is so fast that he can stretch the field. But if he gets even a little bit of route development, good night in Philly. It's it's going to be bombs away. Like, I, people have yeah. said that about Henry Ruggs in Denver. I think it's the exact same thing with Jalen Rager in Philly. Yeah. Let's talk about sort of I, – I know we didn't plan this part, but let's sort of talk about – two guys who you're sort of not so high. Let's talk about a couple guys who you're sort of not so high on. Is there anyone this class uh, who you don't like as much? I, I never really thought about it. I'll let you go first uh, so I can think about mine. <laughs> so the one guy who I despise in this draft class, it's another wide receiver, by the way, it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. I don't think Ayuk is particularly good at anything. But, like, uh-huh. he's a he, – he has he's good in open field. I see his potential as a special teamer. I think he's a good developmental receiver, but he struggles at getting separation and he can't beat press at 5'11 and you and people want to play him at X receiver. That's just not going to work. Like mm-hmm. he's he doesn't run great routes. I think he's he's a he's he can be a good route runner, but he doesn't run great routes and his inability to beat press just in general because of how weak he is. I don't think I don't think that warrants a top uh, a day one pick, and I don't even think he should be going in the first three rounds. Being quite honest, he's going to get overdrafted because this is the NFL, and that's what teams do. In fact, I would not be surprised if the Patriots decide to make a horrible receiving tandem with him and Nikhil Harry, two receivers who can't separate. For the love of God, but I could definitely mm-hmm. see it happening. His highlight plays are pretty much just defenders falling down and not being able to make tackles. He, he thrives against zone. He knows exactly what he's doing there, but that's because he has more space to work with. If you press Brandon Ayuk, he's not doing anything. Like he, He's pretty much as useful as a blade of grass if you press the guy. <laughs> so uh, do you have anyone who you feel not so great about? or I, I wouldn't say not so great about, but uh, I don't love Patrick Queen. Let's talk about this actually because I think because Queen's my linebacker one. Well, let, let's talk about this. Yeah. Why are he's, you Queen? he's one yeah. He's my, probably my first linebacker as well. It's just I I don't know. I'm not very in love with him. He's he's a little overly excited to play uh underneath at uh at some points. 
Uh, he's a little small for his position. Uh, again, that'll be easy to fill out, but where he is right now, he is a little bit small for the position that right. he plays. Uh, his awareness um, in his zone is not great. And, uh, yeah, that's, pr- that's probably as much as I can delve into him. But, yeah, I'm not – for where people have him, not so in love with him. If you need a linebacker and you're not at the top where you can pick someone like Isaiah Simmons, he's your guy. But I don't – I think that, in general, this uh, linebacker class is kind of weak. So, he wouldn't he, – he probably wouldn't be a first-round pick in many, uh, many drafts past. And he might not even be this year, but I have him as a second-round pick this year. But he very well could be drafted in the first. I round. think Queen could be the first LSU defender off the board. I'm I'm higher on him than most people because what I think he has is unbelievable. I think against the run, especially, he does this really well. He knows exactly what's coming. And I'm going to talk about another linebacker who I'm I'm not really lower high on, but actually. Forget that. I'm, I'm a bit lower on him than most other people. That's Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. The thing is, what Queen is really good at is knowing where the ball is. Like, he usually doesn't get lost, but it's like you said, the size limits how much of a factor he can play. But the thing with that is, if you want to put him at will linebacker, be my guest. Like, the Saints need a linebacker more than anything. Mm-hmm. And Queen, Queen could be their guy at 24. The Ravens need a guy at 28. That wouldn't be the worst pick either, in my opinion. I have yeah. Queen. I have I have Queen. Queen's game is really simple to describe. He's a will linebacker who can chase both who can run and chase both sidelines. And his number one issue, in my opinion, is tackling. He either goes way too high and misses, or way too low, and the running back breaks the tackle. But again, that's uh-huh. a really fixable trait. And in pass coverage, he's usually the guy that takes that takes uh, scat backs leaking out of the backfield. He's that he's that matchup coverage linebacker in a way. So I really like him there. But it's just tackling and the fact that he knows where the ball is, he just sometimes doesn't attack it the right way. It's the same issue I have with Grandel, but he just doesn't yeah. know how to attack. He, it, attacking the ball is just a weakness for him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super high on Delpit either. And Kenneth Murray is yeah. someone else who I, who I don't particularly like. Thank you. Kenneth Murray, I, I don't particularly like him either because his game is in fact the opposite of Queen's game. He can make he can make all the tackles you want, but his recognition is so poor. Like he's yeah. often in the wrong gap. He especially he's all over the place. He's all, yeah, he's all over the place. Exactly. It's another will line. He's another will linebacker who I could see. Like, keep in mind they're both athletic freaks. They're both great athletes, but with Murray, Murray does Murray is great at the things Queen isn't, and Queen is great at the things that Murray isn't. But mm-hmm. the issue with that is you can teach tackling at the next level. You can't teach player recognition. I don't. I don't think you can really teach that. That's yeah. my number one issue with Murray. And just as a disclaimer, Isaiah Simmons is better than both of these guys, but I don't see him as your average, typical of the mold linebacker. I don't, yeah, I, I don't either, but I think that he definitely plays it better than they do. For sure. Even as someone that you would, that I would consider a safety. For sure. 
So Queen and Murray are Queen and Murray are two guys who I'm not. Who, I like Queen a lot more than I like Murray. Yeah, I, I do too. But uh, Queen, I'm just not as high on him as everyone else is. That's fair. Um, anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Uh, any words you'd like to say about Rob Gronkowski? The Patriots just got a fourth rounder for free. I think that summarizes that trade in a nutshell. I think the Buccaneers. Yeah, are he wasn't coming back for them. You get what you can for him. I think a fourth round. If they if they could have gotten OJ Howard out of that, fantastic. But yeah, the Buccaneers now have three very capable. To, well, I don't know how capable you consider Gronk at this stage in his career, but yeah. they have they they do have depth at the tight end position. I'll say that. Yeah, they still have Howard. They have great. You know, you have a you have a lot there. They're gonna have to deal one of them. I think that's going to be Howard. Howard. Howard because you can get more out of him, and I think Braid offers more value to you as a tight end too. I uh, then OJ Howard does considering what you can get in a trade for him, but uh, we'll see what they do. It all depends on how much Bruce Arians is going to use tight ends because he didn't use them at all last year. Like people were complaining about OJ Howard's fantasy, uh, fantasy production. Oh yeah, it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. He wasn't getting targeted. Yeah, and it's and it's not like the Buccaneers' offense was you know lacking statistically. <laughs> Definitely not. This is. I think that they. I think that Bruce Arians is trying too hard to make Tom Brady happy, so he made this trade and a fourth round pick for no reason. That's my verdict there. Any thoughts for you? Yeah. Uh, not really. I think that. If you have the chance to get it, I think that they both won this trade. I think if you have a chance to the chance to get a player like Gronkowski, obviously he's not what he was. Obviously, uh, he was kind of a uh, a glorified cone in the past game. Uh, uh, two years ago, he was still a great run blocker, and that can offer a lot of value to a team, especially with a player like Brady, who you know doesn't like to take many hits. If you um. If you line Gronk up on the offensive line, I think that's a great uh, that's a great way to give some extra help to Brady there. And also, you know, it's a new team. Brady's played 20-something years. You have to think of the human aspect. To have a friendly face in there, it's got to mean something, you know? So I think that I think that it was a great trade for Tampa Bay. Uh, and I th- also think it was a great trade for the Patriots because Gronkowski was not going to come back and play for them either way. So... I think that they got a fourth-round pick, like you said, for nothing. And I think Tampa Bay got a good player that potentially could be great again. You know, maybe a year off from the game was exactly what he needed to get back into shape, you know, to get his body right. But, you know, we'll, only time will tell. Yeah. If anything, Gronk is still a great blocker. I just don't know if he's going to be as dominant in the receiving game and especially in a scheme that doesn't prioritize tight ends. I'm not too much of a fan for his draft stock ne- for his fantasy draft stock next year. Yeah, I wouldn't take him too high in fantasy, but for uh, for Tampa Bay, I think that he can be an excellent extra piece for sure. So I'm I yeah. think that wraps that up. Yeah, that about does it. Uh, if you uh, if you want to plug anything, if you have anything you'd like to say, now's the time. Yeah, I'm I'm a co-host on the on the Watch the Tape podcast. Uh, it's a draft podcast that pretty much covers free agency stuff. We had to start a little uh, closer to the draft this year because uh, because we had to spend all the time watching players. But there's definitely going to be more content coming later this offseason, 
especially especially with draft reactions and recaps and more free agency signings, all that stuff, predicting records. If we're going to have a season in twenty in twenty twenty, follow us on mm-hmm. follow us at Watch the Tape Pod on Twitter and Watch the Tape Official on Instagram. Mm. Awesome! Thank you very much for coming on. I. I will not be making podcasts consistently. However, I would like to uh, make them whenever important things are happening. Obviously, nothing important is happening at the moment right now, except for the draft tomorrow. So that's why I felt the need to cover it today. I will see you all later. Have a beautiful, however, whatever period of time until I make another podcast. And I will see you all later. Drew, I'll see you, see you later. later, bro. Bye.